welcome back to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. Uh, it's me, Benjamin Klon. We've also got uh, Matthias Bremer. Hi. And Ricky Reynolds. Hi. And joining us, I think, for the first time is uh, Sam Starks. Hello. Yeah, this is my first time. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, we all just got done watching uh, Charlie Chaplin's classic 1936 silent film, Modern Times, um, which we all watched over, uh, which we all streamed together over Twitch. And uh, I got to say, I really, I really like this movie a lot. I had never seen it before, and in fact, I'm, I'm really not familiar with Charlie Chaplin's work, uh, just generally speaking. But I really like this movie. Thought it was great. Yeah, he's like. Uh, I mean, he was a known communist. There's like a, a biopic. Was that Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, that, right? yeah, yeah. I didn't see um, it, but I, I heard about it. I haven't seen it since I was young, but it kind of goes over. His, he had kind of an antagonistic relationship with the studios that sort of defined his career because he was a communist. Yeah. Um, and as we joked about a lot during the stream, he also like just married a lot of teenagers, but I don't think the studios minded that so much. Mm, probably not <laughs> um veronica my friend who is watching with us uh, admitted to me that she just like doesn't like old movies but she really enjoyed this which i think is a good pitch it's like the good old movie uh chaplin and like any pre-code like extremely vulgar comedy like a marx brothers movie those are good but you don't have to like old movies to yeah. like the shit there's oh, a yeah. there's a person that that I think we all know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call her out on the podcast because I don't know how I don't know if it make her mad. But she has this thing where she does not like she just can't for some reason can't enjoy movies that look like they were made before the year 2000. And I just do not understand it at all. Yeah, the year what? the year 2000 what? a notably glamorous year for filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't hate that. I'm picky. I don't like movies, but like the movies I like, I really like, and I like I like any overtly political movie, um, and particularly any that are very like slapsticky, right? Like a lot yeah, of physical comedy. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was pretty slapsticky. Ricky Ricky loves any overtly political movie, folks. <laughs> yeah. Are you about like to the, Are you about to make the reference? I think you're about to make, Matthias. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, to triumph of the will Birth of the nation. No, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking you were gonna yeah. say. I'll take it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I was going for a curveball there. <laughs> the incredible piece of socialist cinema. Birth of a yeah. nation. Nas national socialist cinema. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. So it is. It is kind of fitting though that we're uh, that we are uh, watching this movie and talking about it on. When this will be released, I think it will be May Day. Um, really? Yeah. Well, I'm probably gonna i I'm gonna try and get this out by tomorrow. So hopefully, hopefully by May Day. If you're listening to this, Happy May Day. Um, yeah, happy May Day. Solidarity forever. Mm -hmm. So I mean, this this movie uh, is about. Uh, well, it focuses on uh, Charlie Chaplin's character, the Tramp, who we actually portrayed over the course of a few different movies, right? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. in the, in this yeah. movie, it's yeah. specifically about a worker, uh, struggling to, uh, find his way and make ends meet within, you know, uh, a rapidly industrializing world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess, uh, 
I'm just uh, what what are your guys uh, well Matthias you hadn't you hadn't seen it before have you? No, I have seen it. Once. Oh, okay. I hadn't seen it all the way okay, through. Okay. Okay. Well, what uh, yeah. what are your initial thoughts on the movie? So I think that there is like the first level, the more obvious level of um, you know, story of alienation and this guy who you know has this breakdown because of uh you know his role as a literal cog in the machine mm-hmm. um or i suppose a figurative but then literal cog in the machine <laughs> um and uh you know so then he then he is uh he's thrown into jail which you know he pretty much spends the rest of the movie trying to get back into jail <laughs> yeah. um yeah. until he decides to fall in love with a child. <laughs> it was normal. And, uh, it was normal. Um, fucking gamine in fucking French literally means child. It does. So, so, um, yeah. And then they went to the toy section, which was, um, she's we like, can talk about, she's we can like, talk more about that later. <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah, there's, there is the more, there's the political thing, but also I think that there is, Clearly, there's there is some really intense like gender stuff mm-hmm. and um, like somewhat um, not so concealed like sexual uh, psychology <laughs> being played out here at the same time. I made this comment, but it's like we don't really talk about Chaplin as like being a filmmaker of like sexually psychological films whereas the Marx Brothers are like overtly kind of vulgar that's their whole thing right like it's all it's like this movie is <laughs> like Lolita yeah I really don't think that we were even supposed to well okay I, I I guess I have some angles on that right I don't think that was supposed to be I do think it was like arguably normalized we're also not necessarily supposed to see the tramp as like a 50 year old but Charlie Chaplin really does like horrible at this yeah. point like, he does not yeah. look good Mm-hmm. It's 1936 and he's looking rough so it's a little hard to conceal i think there's like probably more like a a gendered symbolism about labor going on there that relies on her being childlike i don't know if that's something to explore um but yeah so like she needs to sort of be this scrappy victim uh, in the machine where yeah. he has this cog in the machine. I have to say this because I, I keep thinking about it. Everyone talks about this as a movie about uh, the Great Depression, which it obviously is, right? But it's like yeah. it's like not, right? Because because the when the economy is good, it also sucks, right? That's the coolest Absolutely. thing about this movie. It's not it's not about how the depression sucks. It's about how um, industrial capitalism sucks. That's what yeah. it's about. Yes, I uh, I like how. Like literally, like right after the uh, right after the opening credits, like the first shot is like a bunch of like a herd of sheep, which yeah. then dissolves into, um, which then People dissolves get- into a bunch of men, you know, on their way to the factory. <laughs> wake up, yeah, sheeple. yeah. Was, wake up, sheeple. I was like, yo, did Chaplin just was he like the first one to like use the term sheeple or something? It's fascinating though because. He's not really saying like, oh, these people are mindless, or maybe he is to a certain extent, but he's actually just saying that they're dehumanized, which is the, that's the real yeah. way we should be using sheeple. Yep. Yeah. Got yeah, it. No, it felt to me like lambs to the cosmic slaughter. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like less about um, people uh, 
like wake up sheeple but more like lambs to the slaughter is how i read it there is definitely like a very fatalistic uh sense of everything in the movie you know um even at the end it's it the end is pretty much like the end of uh the myth of sisyphus where it's like Oh, we're just going to keep running from the law, but smile. <laughs> what do you think about that? Do you think that was optimistic? Do you think it was cynical? Do you think it was encouraging? How do you think it was supposed to be seen at that time? I mean, I think it's supposed to be a happy ending. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, Chaplin's work, I've found, uh, talks a lot about, like, his endings are often, like, really, really hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, at the the first prompt that letter of text after the credits that said humanity crusading in the pursuit of happiness mm-hmm. right so I, I feel like his intent was obviously to be hopeful like they're literally walking into the sunset mm-hmm. like maybe it was like a reframing of uh, the wild west story about riding into the sunset you know mm-hmm. maybe but i i certainly didn't think of it as helpful Yeah, it's, so the way that I think about, I watch mainly horror movies, like I literally only like horror movies and like Jewish and silent comedies, that's like it, Uh, and horror movies are like the most overt critiques of any, you know, that's their function, right, they pick something up and, 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 and talk about it. Um, and so I look to, for me, for like a good socialist film would be one that has a really good critique, right? But this film is not that kind of socialist film. Not that it doesn't have good critique. It's not necessarily intending to critique. It's trying to turn things that people already notice into a critique, right? It's amplifying the everyday critiques that people would have in order to create communist propaganda, right? So you have to make people feel hopeful if you want it to work. Um, And I I truly think we could use a, a little bit more film like that. I think Midsummer came a little close. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's a very hopeful film. Yeah. What was, what was the guy's name in that? The boyfriend. Um. What was fuck. His name? I've only seen that a couple of times. Fucking, what's what's was, the boyfriend's name? Christian. His name is Christian. Christian. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name in Midsummer, right? The boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I'm pretty sure. Cool. I've seen that far too many times. Every time I watch that, it's just like a panic attack. I love that movie. I love I it not so much. It. Always I, looking. Go ahead. Well, I haven't seen Midsummer, but uh, thinking of like like newer like sort of anti-capitalist movies, like the like the as far as the endings are concerned, like I think of uh, like Sorry to Bother You. Did you see mm-hmm. that? I haven't seen it actually. I- I know, I know. I just don't watch a lot of movies. Don't okay. don't, well, don't at me. Ma- I will watch it. Matthias has seen it, and like like the ending, I would say is not like it's sort of like a little bit hopeful, but it's I think it's less about hope and more about like vengeance because it ends with like them like storming the storming the house of the CEO guy, which is pretty uh-huh. cool. But that's like Get Out too, yeah. right? Get Out has I would yeah I would call it I would actually say that Get Out had like a regular happy ending and had like a joyful ending. Uh, but not necessarily an optimistic one about the problem. Right. right. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Antithesis of that. I just watched Parasite today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The exact opposite of yeah. all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, this this and Parasite is a very interesting like a uh, side by side. You know. That's been a weird day. <laughs> <laughs> but they are very similar thematically. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, it, it, it is just about a different, um, 
era of capital, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Parasite is a, a critical film. It's a, it crit- critiques, but it does not uh, propagandize at all, in my opinion, which is how it yeah. went on to be, like, the absolute darling of American rich people, which right. is not a critique of the movie, because, again, I like critique movies. I loved Parasite. Uh, but, you know, this is not... <laughs> Uh, and I don't even think it's a critique of the filmmakers to say like it wasn't created to rile people up for a cause because as we've said before we don't make movies like that very often right it's not no. a normal thing to do and if we do make those movies they're not going to be a critical success in any regard right. really because mm-hmm. politics mm, usually films like that suck <laughs> well yeah says the artist <laughs> yeah well, I mean, yeah, honestly, I have a I have a big problem with a lot of art that is just like a uh, solely political intention. It to me becomes extremely boring. Sure. Um but you know, you know, I think it's easier in film to to do something subtle, right? Like it's significantly harder to make like a subtle, interesting, compelling piece of overt political painting, right? Like, um, maybe, you know, if it's using words or whatever, but you can do a lot more with film. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I think it's worth saying, I feel this way about music. Uh, we went through a period where it was like extremely unpopular to, make political art not just art because art's its own thing but like music when i was young when i was in high school it was like seen as like pretty gauche except for with the exception of like a couple of anti-bush songs like you weren't supposed to make a political album right you were supposed to even radiohead wasn't really at a certain point they like stopped making political albums right um and it was very shine frowned upon within like indie music and the same thing is true with film i think um I personally just, I like a film that has an argument. Like, it has a a clear-ass thesis. That's what I like. Yeah. I mean, I think the danger sometimes of that is that, um, you know, if you really go in Mm -hmm. on some specific issue, you very much run the risk of making a piece of art that will not be at all relatable within, like, a year or ten or 20 yeah it kind of depends what relatable means you know that's why sci-fi is good right yeah i mean sure yeah i mean it does depend on what relatable means but something that occurs to me about this film right now is you know this is a critique that i think one uh can look around and you know apply today but um it's also you know no one is like, like we don't have people that are working in like huge GM plants, and we're moving farther and farther away from that kind of a society. Uh, you know, towards more of an automated yeah. service economy. Blah blah blah. You know, I hate that kind of shit, so I don't want to like wade into that mess. But um, you know, it it is a very different world, and I wonder. Uh, you know, to what extent that plays into the way that we read the message. Yeah, I mean, I don't entirely agree. I think it's complicated, right? We obviously do still live in an industrial world. We don't live in an industrial America, uh, which I think is important. Um, 
I think what's so fascinating to me, one of the things I love about this movie is that it's like, that's not what a factory looked like. Like it's, it's yeah. cause he was having this real critique of this rationalism that was part of modern industrialism. And so it was like these like sparkly, beautiful, clean factories. And he was, he was doing work that was like somewhat realistic to what work people would do, which is like, you know, standing at a um, fucking, conveyor belt and like just twist twisting just with wrenching same, one object same right thing over, and over and over again until you develop a neurological disorder correct correct and so yeah. that that itself is a critique of automation right um i think when we talk about automation we think about it as something that happens to industry later on this is again like a thing i'm a historian of but actually automation is what industry is right yeah. um so the factory itself at it, even in its most quote-unquote primitive sites like mills in new england and in in regular england um with women like weaving or what the fuck ever that is automation right that is an automation of something that was formerly done without the large-scale tools right so the the history of industry is just a progression of this automation um, and we don't recognize it as such until you know computers blah 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 and also until it becomes like really really politicized uh late a couple of times later right like famously in the 70s when we start talking about japanese robots or what the fuck ever right um but even at the time this film was made and within early 20th century labor struggles it is true that automation in some way or another was what laborists unionists were talking about right um they wanted more autonomy about um how their work was done um and they wanted more control over it rather than just being like a cog in the machine or whatever especially in in the trades that were like things that people had done in guilds before or whatever so that's that i don't think but yeah he, he does not do service that- industry too though right he, he becomes a waiter <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He actually he takes on like a few different kinds of jobs, right? Because mm-hmm. like because all jobs oh, yeah. suck. Yeah. Well, at the at the beginning, he's working at a steel mill, right? Um, mm-hmm. um and then um, he becomes a basically like a security guard at a at a department store. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he becomes like a <laughs> fucking like a fucking singing waiter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's Wait, at a shipyard for, too. You forgot, yeah, you forgot that when he was at the <laughs> shipyard and he just destroyed oh, yeah. it. Right? Yeah. First thing weird. he did after he got out of prison. That was really fucking funny. Just sink a, a ship, baby. Million dollar boat. <laughs> uh, Everyone's staring at him. He's like, I'm just, I'm just gonna go now. <laughs> I was taking notes, and the only thing that I really learned about him being in prison was. Uh, this is what I wrote. Doing cocaine makes you a hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I did not remember that yeah. scene at all. We were trying to figure out how that passed, like, the code, because you get the, fuck, I can't remember the language, but, like, in the last scene, you see the message that says it was, like, passed the, by the review board or whatever, mm-hmm. which means right. that it passed code. Uh, and we're like, why the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my, my film nerd friend thinks it was just, like, early in the code when they weren't, like, insane. Um, but I'm like, did they not? Maybe they didn't know what cocaine was. Well, apparently no, the, the production code uh, for motion pictures was established in 1930. So this movie came out. Six yeah, years it has, after that. It has fa- like, so the Hays Code has, like, phases where they're, like, harder or softer. It's, like, a whole thing. There's, like, periods where they're, like, really nuts and, like, you know going along kind of we also like had a red scare during that time right so it's it's like easy yeah. to say this would never have been able to have been made a decade later mm. um i just like really didn't it... know coke coke looked like that at that time yeah it like look it looks like regular cocaine it's like the same <laughs> i mean it, it looked pretty it looked like pretty much like powdered sugar 
Yeah, yeah, but like I assumed that they had like primitive cocaine in, back in the day, but it's the same. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no. know why I thought that. I mean, Usually, I just love like my like my dude Charlie just got fucking so <laughs> so, so zooted oh. off that yay that like he was like dodging bullets <laughs> yeah. and shit. That it was, was so that was awesome. <laughs> That's not what cocaine makes you do. <laughs> like I don't know if I w- I've ever been at a point. And I've never done drugs. I'm a good altar boy. But, um, yeah, I've think, uh, I've never done that I either. Think, I don't think coke makes you accidentally break out of prison. You know, <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. I don't know. I feel like it could. Could do. Why? Yeah, it makes you on purpose break out of prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about the prisons. It makes you accidentally open a record label. <laughs> yeah. Oh, before before we talk more about the prison, I do want to go back a little bit uh, to the factory uh, where they have the fucking robot like feeding him lunch. Oh, God, that was hilarious. That was such a funny gag. And the entire time I'm thinking, damn, when is Bezos going to fucking implement these in the warehouses? (laughs) Like, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't at least tried something like it. We can get rid of we can get rid of lunch. Yeah, I mean, and look at the sleek design. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think actually just giving your workers cocaine would do that a lot more efficiently. Yeah, <laughs> tried that with math. Uh, yeah, they, they sure did. That that's true. Yeah. One one of the things I noticed about that guy, the what was the machine? The food make you eat. You know that giant machine. He, yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He barely like talked to himself when he was like talk to the actual factory owner he was doing it through a vinyl i thought that was really <laughs> yeah. weird yeah like the distance that comes out of capital maybe that's reaching i don't know weird flex right, that's, that's that's like mediation right yeah so, right. so the thing all of the things that are mechanized and then uh or uh, quote-unquote automated right like so relationships between people that's that's the great marxist critique going on in this right um and it's also dehumanizing right that's that's alienation is also what that is right yeah yeah yeah, absolutely i think the first uh act whatever you want to call it uh talked about alienation really well yeah yeah i think i Yeah. yeah iconic i think probably the most the most um timeless thing about this is the um you know, erosion of the the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why, that's like the fundamental reason I actually constantly, endlessly compare it to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I believe that they are the same film, actually. You should talk about that. I, I want I'm to, I'm, I'm, yeah, I go, I, I can get into that if you want. I, um, I want to reserve some of it because this is like my masterpiece that I will someday oh, yeah. unleash in a book or something. I don't know. That's but, great. you know, right. So um, the thing that those two movies have in common, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like my favorite film of all time. Right. Like it's my favorite piece of art of all time. And I, what people say if they talk about that as a political film, which sometimes they do, they usually talk about it as a film about deindustrialization. And all the sequels kind of get into this. Right. This is a place that used to be industrialized. And this is what happens when society leaves. Right. But I believe 
that it's the same as when people talk about modern times and say this is a movie about depre- the depression, right? It's not a movie about the depression. It's um, a movie about industrialization and how that is bad. I believe that the dehumanization of people in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not about the problems of deindustrialization, but in fact of industrialization in the first place, right? And I think that the that it's about the meat industry is like a convenient little um, attachment to that, right? So yeah. obviously chopping up animals all day long it leads you pretty quickly into chopping up humans but it could be anything in my opinion right he could have been a logger and the the industrialization of that right what it did to his body what it did to their family and what it did to their land leads directly in this critique right to chopping up little naked ladies right um and i think you know so texas chainsaw massacre is not about people who are born a certain way it's about people who are produced by a certain um cult i don't want to say culture but like a certain um political economy is how i like to frame it right um yo that, that's that, what alienation uh, the hill like. <laughs> the hills have eyes yeah. the hills have eyes yeah that's very an similar mm-hmm. yeah it was also really also people who are literally you know born just people and then transformed by the uh you know if the um, <coughs> You know, forces of the society, the state yeah. under which they live. This is a great example because people look at that movie and they want to see monsters, right? And they want to see that there, there's this whole genre of movies about people on the American periphery, right? Out there, the road trip movie, the wrong turn shit, right? Um, the the exploitation, as we call it, that's like an actual name for it. Uh, and people want to say this is about like people who live outside of society, right? They want to say that that's about people who live outside of society when really, in most cases, particularly Wes Craven, who is this great critiquer of American culture, right? Like he wrote just a bajillion allegories. Um, He was not interested in what happened outside of society. He was interested in what society produced, right? Hence leading directly into Freddy Krueger. That's my take. And I I believe all of those films like kind of come from this lineage of overt political movies, right? Because this is where arguments are happening and horror movie wants to take up arguments about society. Right. Hence the only real art in America. Hell yeah. That's my sorry. I just like ruined, I just took over everything. <laughs> That's okay. You uh, Ricky, you wanted to talk about um, you wanted to talk about the scenes that took place in the prison, right? What do you guys think about the prisons? What do you think about those? Like, it's supposed to be a foil, right? It's a funny gag that prison's better than life. But what really do you think about that? I don't know. Our our uh, heroes I, seem I, to be I, having I, a pretty good time. I think uh, it's very funny. First of all, it is very funny. Yeah. That well, I mean that life like. Like, you know, in the workforce presents so much like precarity and alienation mm-hmm, that, you know, hey, right. I, I, I'm having a much better time here in jail. Like I got fucking cocaine here. Yeah. At least they feed him, right? They yeah, feed him. They house feed, him. him. feed him. And he gains like some sort of autonomy, you know, to mm-hmm. a certain That's fascinating. I love all of those things right this is just a classic bernie sanders could fucking make that critique right like look at this you get more social services in prison that's just a ter- if he said that it would be horrible but you know um it makes me wonder right because his he makes these prisons look pretty orderly but not as um rigidly like policed as the outside world yeah but prisons what are- if what if the prison okay hear me out what if prison is supposed to be like literal communism like you are Mm. you are in like the soviet union right uh your life is more or less directed but like you said you are given you are given the ability to decorate your cell no he would never have said that 
hey, I am just reading another level. Plus, there's that whole thing where he he's kind of a narc in prison. That's like I don't know but, how to yeah, interpret yeah. that. Yeah, um, it could also be you know capitalism itself is also a prison which allows you only uh, the aesthetic, uh, correct? You know, wallpaper. Um, and creates an environment in which you're incentivized to turn on the people you're supposed to have solidarity with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I suppose 36 would be uh, pretty pretty uh, early to be making something that was very critical of the Soviet Union and still leftist. Yeah, that I don't know if that's true, but I assume that that's true. What's fascinating to me is, like, so he, at all these institutions where he's at, they're, like, even though that's less orderly, it's still, like, way or- more orderly than it would have been in real life, right? Like, that's not what actually prisons looked like. And I know that's not yeah. the point, but prisons were, like, an extremely horrible site of social control at that time. So it's fascinating to me that he creates just this fantasy prison, whereas everything else I feel like is a little bit realistic, like, for what it is. Like, I know it's, like, a fa- the, like, uh, fantasy factory as well, but the prison is the only place I see that, like... T- doesn't connect at all to the real experience of, a, of prisons at that time, which, again, remain horrible, but were uniquely horrible at that time. You can make it like a class debate that it was because of limitations via, like, the MR or the the board, the mm-hmm. movie board. He might also... People. Yeah, he might also have not cared that much about, right? There's, like, a yeah. real failure to care about prisons. <laughs> That's that leads me to the hospital thing, right? Okay, so for listeners, right, he goes crazy on the job. Right. Then he gets institutionalized, a classic, a real classic. Mm-hmm. But we just like don't see this is the only time we don't see the institution. He just lets the fucking insane asylum slide right by, right? Like yeah. no critiques, not looking crazy. Matias, yes. Okay. Okay, but So, it is the only institution which you don't see, right? right. Mm-hmm. But also you know, that is exactly the place in society that it has, you know? Sure. Like, uh, it is tot. I mean, uh, what's his yeah. name? The um, McGovern's uh, running mate in 72. Right. Right? Eagleton. Had to- he got fucking shelved because it came out that he had gotten treatment for depression yeah. in 72. And that that was like, you know, it's, it's different. So because- argument, this is woke, actually. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very, like, in deep with critiques of psychiatry, as you know. You always ask me about psychology, and I'm like, first of all, that's fake. Second of all, it's, like, Nazi science, so I don't want to talk about it. But I, you know, like, psychiatric hospitals were prisons at this time, right? They were prisons for for children and disabled people, and that remains true. Like, there's, there's shifts in certain ways, like in Eagleton's case, for example, but that remains true through the 70s. Um, and yeah. there, I don't know that there's like places where that's not true. Um, and so I, I first of all think it's fucking hilarious that he comes out fixed, though. That's another one of those right, things. Maybe, right. maybe it's like a joke, like the prison thing is a joke. Well, yeah, because they, well, they, they put him in the back of the, I don't know, is that an ambulance or something? Sure, and they, something they, they, they ship, they ship him off, and like literally, like the next, the next <laughs> cut is like, hey, you're all better now. That's so funny. Um, Get out of here. Maybe that, maybe, maybe he's saying that he actually wasn't fixed, and that's why he went after that child. Stop! <laughs> no, I don't like where this conversation is going. Uh, they, fu- they gave him the pedophile gene. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Have Just pumped him full of adrenochrome. <laughs> no, stop. 
I'm sorry, Ricky. Have you seen what? Have you all seen Roger and Me? I watched uh, it when I was uh, in high school, but I don't really remember much of it. About gonna, Roger Stone, right? Yes, it's about Roger Stone. I'm going to ask my husband. I can't remember this man's name. There's a man who's featured heavily in this um, this film who wrote a book about working at GM and then like having a, a mental breakdown, like having a nervous breakdown. I cannot think of his name. I can think of his... Uh, it's called... Um, Fuck, I can't think of, I cannot, I cannot think of it. Um, Rivet Head. Ben Hamper, Ben Hamper is his name, Rivet Head is the book, right? And so he's featured in this movie, and there's, like, this kind of iconic Michael Moore scene where he's talking about his, his, like, dramatic breakdown, and then it breaks into Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys, right? Like, that's a, a very Michael Moore kind of move. Yeah. Um, and I think about that, right? So, like, this idea of going insane in the workplace, uh, that's the first iconic moment of that that I think of, but in general, like, this becomes... In the 70s and 80s, that's about going postal, right? So I, there are like a thousand moments in this movie where I'm like, okay, he's going to shoot the place up now. <laughs> and if it happens at any other time in history, right? Like maybe he drafted that and the, the board was like, no. Uh, <laughs> but that's, I don't know. I'm assuming there was just like way more of that at that time period. Like I'm sure like it's transhistorical shooting up people at the workplace, but that becomes like the main mode of cultural expression in America beginning in the seventies is shooting up your workplace. Is this, yeah. are my jokes going too far? You can no. reel me in. It no, itself. it's fine. I mean, would it, would it have been more realistic that, uh, for him to have just like bashed in someone's fucking face with a wrench? I mean, that's kind of what happens with that scene with the boss and the machinery. That's kind of true. Yeah. I think. Like is, someone described the scene. His his boss gets like stuck in this machine. And oh fucking just... yeah! OSHA violations. This <laughs> yeah. There's like head sticking out of it, and sh the yeah. tramp just like takes his life. Like he gets like a job at, uh, as like a machinist and some sort of racism factory, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and he keeps fucking up. You know, like. Uh, comedy ensues and the boss gets stuck in this wonderful set honestly i enjoyed that set a lot it was really cool but uh he gets stuck in the machine and then they go on lunch and he starts <laughs> siphoning tea into the guy's mouth uh first he uses like an oil funnel and then he <laughs> And then he, he doesn't rinse it off or anything. No, no. And then he eats the chicken. Yeah, like the whole chicken. Just yeah, like yeah. sticks it in his mouth and uses that as a funnel. Which works. Like which a, is the thing that works. Like a crazy amount of comedy chicken in this movie. But uh, that scene, I, it, it occurs to me now that that scene with the man stuck in the machine must have been been viewed as very very horrifying to a lot of people watching it this is the oh, thing is yeah. that people in america worked in those uh, in yeah. those shops right and they watched this movie and that must have been like funny because it's the boss but also very real because like a hundred percent of them lost a limb at some point in a machine exactly like right. that right yeah yeah lucas is gesturing at me he loves to talk about how his grandfather lost a ring his ring got caught in the machines in uh, uh, buick city uh, lost a finger <sighs> To go home, he says. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Jesus. In some Christ. work sucks. I I I love that. That really is the moral of this, right? Work can't be redeemed. Yeah, you got to do it, sucks. but it sucks. Mm -hmm. Quit your job and do crimes. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Either that or find start a find a trad wife. Stop saying yeah. trad wife. <laughs> 
hot. Just because she's a child doesn't mean she's trad. Uh, no, what makes her trad is that <laughs> yeah. she is like, oh my god, I would love to be your housekeeper and chef. Well, that's class, right? Okay, this is this is like the next the next level of this, right? I love to look for critiques of the family in film. Yeah. I think that's a fun thing, and like the the idea of a family of a quote unquote nuclear family in this is is that's something reserved for a certain class. There's this whole, I love the scene where they're having this fantasy about they have a little yeah. house and yeah. she's like feeding him and there's like this cow outside their it's, kitchen that they're like milking. It's so funny and straight it's from the also tape. weirdly and, sentimental, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, that's like just like the surreal nature of that scene sort of like cements the fact that it is literally only a fantasy Mm -hmm. it is a fantasy but they still want it and I don't think the movie necessarily critiques okay I'm going to make another one of those jokes now you know (laughs) I I don't see a real substantive critique of the family in this even though they acknowledge that it's a fantasy the way it plays out they still want that right they choose to go into the sunset together to build something as a couple well in a way Uh, they kind of get a version of that too right yeah yeah exactly the little like beat up shack they move into definitely pro-family propaganda because Mm -hmm. here's the joke i shouldn't make but right like obviously charlie chaplin's not going to critique the family when he's trying to marry a bunch of 16 year olds (laughs) he he needs that institution of the family Mm -hmm. okay i'm done (laughs) moving on so yeah no i mean there is there is actually it's it there's kind of a bizarre um back and forth here because they do have like you know this um fantasy a a desire um which much like death drive can never be satisfied but at the same time the second that they get like that nasty fucking shack it's like suddenly very zen and it's Mm -hmm. like oh you know you didn't need the big mansion all along. All you needed was uh, a 17-year-old you know, girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, a 17-year-old girl to wait at the door with your dinner and shoes. What it's fuck? it's also about like private space too, right? That's the one thing yeah. they don't have at any other point in the movie until they build this little box on right. the shore is But it's very space. anti-materialist, you know. It's like, oh, you know, they they're able to find happiness in simplicity. Sure. Land is land though. Yeah. Yeah. So in conclusion, and it's on the beach too. So I mean, that's pretty good real yeah. estate. So it's, it's the soft beach? on property. <laughs> Did you see <laughs> what happened when he dived into the beach? The the docks. It's on the docks. Yeah. Whatever. The beach. That's how. That's true though. That's real. Um. Okay, so I'm glad uh, y'all liked it because I really pressured everybody into doing this one. I'm so glad. Like I'm glad that you did. Oh, I thought it was awesome. So this is a movie that could have been a talkie. Yeah. Yeah. And there are yeah. some there are some lines of dialogue that are spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the vast majority of it isn't. Why do you guys think that is? Because he was stubborn, didn't want to change. Like I yeah. think realistically, that's why. I don't know. I think he had a real creative vision for that decision, which he continued to do, like weirdly. And I think it was partially political for him in opposition to like the studios. A lot of people were like, "Talkies, this is a trend." Uh, but I don't actually know. I don't understand his creative choices otherwise, because like, I'm not a filmmaker, so I don't. I don't see that far into it. I reckon it probably was just like that. That sounds right. Like uh, 
he has a way he had a way of doing it and he didn't want to break from the mold that he was comfortable with necessarily maybe well, i had actually read that he 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 had actually uh gone as far as writing a dialogue script for it but eventually wow. eventually decided to go back to just using like sound effects and really sparse dialogue this would have sucked if it had dialogue i think it would have just sucked i think you know i feel like am i wrong i feel like most of the dialogue with the exception of like the music scenes are like automated talking right there's is there any dialogue used for so it's all machines right i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure huh like records and um, announce, what do you call it? Like PAs, PA mm-hmm. things, speakers, I think. I could be wrong. I didn't think of this till just now, but yeah, so it could be it. I'm sure there's like a bajillion that's, papers. That's where about I this. was going with this, which is that, um, you know, the only time that the voice exists in this movie is actually, you could say in two different states. When it is removed from the body, totally depersonalized and mechanized um which is always in the service of capital or when it is you know this improvisational free spirit artistic um exposition that uh you know is more of a um the self-actualization of the spirit or expression of the spirit. Are you talking you know what about I mean? the singing scene? Yes, or? yes. Let's... I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to incorporate why the singing is also, you know, out, out, because yeah. it, it could just be that it's singing, you know? You, you can't, like, do that silently. You can't just mm-hmm. have, like, a card that's like, he sings this like oh funny french song (laughs) there was a lot about that that was really funny and that's another kind of marx brothers move like the idea of like being like funnily racist against italians is like a very marx brothers move um uh, but so kind of because when you you see the lyrics on when he writes when his child bride writes the lyrics on his his cuff they're like kind of vulgar um like a little they're a little naughty i don't remember what it was but it was like it was very funny to me. And he does like these like gestures when he's dancing with like a lot of boobs and stuff. It was very funny. And he like wiggles his butt. Mm-hmm. He's got like kind yeah. of an ass on him, honestly. He does. <laughs> <laughs> A boy chaplain. Thick. Thick. He's like 5'5", five, five, too. He is like short king, which by the <laughs> way, Buster Keaton was also a short king. So I think that says something about like the choreography. And of course, Karl, Mar- or Karl Marx. Uh, Groucho, <laughs> probably Karl Marx. Groucho Marx was extremely short, which is why he was so erotic. It's a short king thing. I'm looking up to There you have it, folks. This is a there thing. Is, there is an amazing interview with Groucho Marx on Firing Line, which is one of my... You're always talking about Firing Line. I love Firing Line. I fucking love Firing Line so much. Um, no, it is, it is a really delightful interview. I would highly recommend looking it up. He is A, hilarious, as always. Um, but B, uh, totally, like, has some amazing lines mm-hmm. um, and uh, just dunks on Buckley very fluidly <laughs> on several important cultural issues. I was 
I always try to figure out if Chaplin was Jewish because, like, it seems like he's doing something Jewish, like being a communist in comedy, right? Those are two Jewish things. Uh, there's like, he's like not, but there were rumors that he is somewhat Jewish of ancestry or something. So I think we ought to start claiming him a little bit harder. I actually looked this up right before <laughs> we started watching the interview. I'm like, is, is he Jewish? Because I watched The Great Dictator yesterday. <laughs> but, um, uh, He's he is not Jewish. He it's said that he might have a grandfather who's Jewish. Correct. I wonder if that was just something that he spread to to make him, you know, uh, have credibility as a comedian. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, can't remember what I read, but it was something from a, a publication called Jewish Quarterly. Sure. Very bizarre. I'll see if I can find it. No promises. <laughs> I said that I want the tablet magazine, uh, Charlie Chaplin Jewishness article. Yes. <laughs> uh. Now, be, before uh, <laughs> before uh, we watched the movie, I, I read that uh, part of the inspiration for uh, making Modern Times uh, was uh, a conversation that Chaplin had had with Mahatma Gandhi. Um, oh, really? In which they discussed, um, cool. in which they cool. discussed modern technology, uh, according to Wikipedia. Oh my God, this um, is a luddite film. This is a luddite <laughs> film. Yeah, he's yeah, trying yeah. to just bring back cottage industry. No, what no, the so, fuck? It so is. according, it's bad. It's bad now. According to <laughs> according to Wikipedia, Chaplin did not understand why Gandhi <gasps> generally opposed oh my it, God. though he granted that quote machinery with only consideration of profit. Uh, had put people out of work and ruined lives. So he's like, I also do approve of Gandhi's uh, views on child brides. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this this was a dunk on Gandhi, is what you're saying. Modern times is like, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny as hell. Like, damn, this guy's a dummy. I'm gonna make a movie about how he's wrong. <laughs> The the talkie thing is also a, a luddite kind of thing, right? Like, but I think yeah. it was just like aging. So you know, I'm I'm feeling that way I, myself. I'm convinced it's an artistic decision. Yeah. I don't think I don't. Yeah. I think if he was stubborn, he would have just done a silent film. Well, he wrote an yeah. entire yeah. dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and then it probably sucked because he didn't know how to write dialogue because he's a silent filmmaker. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is that. I think. I was trying to look up some, like, I have studied this a little bit in school in that I think we watched it in a labor history class that I took, and, um, awesomely, I tried to find some articles, you know, like, some good Marxist critiques of this film, or, like, connections to other stuff, and all of the articles, this is such a fucking thing about academia, like, all the articles written about it from, like, 1980 to 2005 were, like, um the sensuality of eating in Charlie Chaplin's films because it was like there was you were like literally not allowed to be a Marxist in the humanities for like 30 years in the United States like you could only write like at most you could have Foucault right like that's it uh, so they had to be like I don't know the like eroticism of blah 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 which to be fair there's some eroticism in here but like, you know like there was nobody like hey this is a movie about uh capitalism <laughs> yeah Chaplin wrote the uh the soundtrack you know Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot about that. Yeah, the actually, the the theme, um, the the theme that they play, um, like that have the scenes with him and the girl, 
uh, is an instrumental that went on to become a kind of famous song, uh, uh, Smile, uh, which was, uh, I mean, it was originally, I don't remember who, like, so like the instrumental that he wrote didn't have words, but then uh, I think a couple of lyricists wrote words afterwards, um, which was then later recorded by uh, Nat King Cole. They made fanfic. Yeah. And then later sung by DMX in the Chris Rock film Top 5. (laughs) Wow. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, Fun fact. I do think that like the the main theme of modern times is actually quite um imposing and weirdly dissonant mm-hmm. um in a way that does kind of convey um you know like the um almost uh imperial kind of um power of the machine Mm-hmm. Um, and of industry, uh, the technological it, sublime is what they it, call that in painting. Oh, that's a that is an awesome phrase. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like a fanfare trumpet. Um, and the I started thinking about it very like seriously when we were watching it. When he sees the article that says the factories are hiring again. And that theme mm-hmm. comes in, and it's like, you know, this is a good thing. He's getting employment, and this, like, very kind of like, uh, you know, almost dark, you know, trumpets come in, and it, I don't know, it, it's very uh, interesting in its ambiguity. So we do agree that this is an anti-work film. Yes. And yes. we, we do all agree that work sucks. Yes, and uh, as as more and more uh, jobs can become fully automated. Oh no! Okay. Oh no! We will we will all be able to not work someday. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to control the means of except production. For the, except for the wives, apparently, <laughs> the child yeah. brides, the child yeah. brides. So gonna be. Making that chicken, the the the, the, lunch. the labor, the labor of the the lunch that she gives him. That's like a stock of celery, which he then folds, <laughs> right. and yeah. then an egg, and then like it's... those really thick sandwiches. Like oh, I guess yo, that's... my favorite part was like when he like just before he bolts out the door to go back to the factory, he takes the sandwich that he that she made for him and he shoves it in his fucking pants. Yeah, <laughs> <So those> pants <laughs> right. I actually do, like, as a fellow short king, I wear a pair of pants quite similar to that all the time, actually, to my work, and uh, I feel like I look really cool. It's like a look, but um, some of my coworkers hassle me extremely about that it's strange to dress like Charlie Chaplin at work does it as make, a woman, apparently. Does it make for good sandwich storage? Yeah, like, okay, so they have, like, these insane pockets. Like, I could put them just in there, but they're baggy, right? He had to have had pockets because, like, it would have just gone down his ankle. (laughs) But they have these insane pockets in them. And I can put, like, a couple of sandwiches in there. And it looks cool because that's the silhouette. So I understand. I understood that scene perfectly. It's like like your inventory in an RPG, Ben. (laughs) It has a certain number of slots, but (laughs) when you put an item in there... 
you do not see where it goes. <laughs> do you know that meme that like white girls do? Sorry, that was probably overbearing. I saw a lot of girls do this meme um, where it's like, oh, it has pockets, right? They like talk about like women's clothing um, not having pockets. Like pants. Correct. They'll be like dresses. It's like really stupid. I fucking hate it. Like wear mm-hmm. men's clothes, you cowards. Yeah. Um. And but they're they're always like, oh, clothes with pockets for women. Uh. That's what I imagine. I would like to make that a meme that like here's some clothes with pockets that women could wear. It's Charlie Chaplin's. Mara clothes. Mara was making fun of me one time a while ago because like I was like wearing this jacket that didn't have like real pockets and I was like really fucking angry about it and uh complaining a lot she's like yeah well now you know how you know how it feels you know what it's like now i'm like yeah well fuck you now you know what it's like to be do you (laughs) (laughs) uh so uh (laughs) overalls overalls have pockets yeah they do so as you're listening to this, presumably it is uh, currently it is either currently or shortly after uh, May Day. Um, it's with... about to be May Day here, but it's eleven fifty eight. Oh, look I, at I that. would say yeah. it's May Day right now. Yeah, it is. It is very very close to to May Day, uh, which is when we celebrate uh, International Workers Day. Um, when we celebrate ship sinking. <laughs> it's a day of mourning. Putting your boss in the, right into the machine. Right into it's, the machine, yeah. It's you you do a revolutionary baptism for your boss. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, look up the French Revolution. Um I forget what the fuck that region's called. I don't remember. Um, but I guess, uh, so what do you can say, (laughs) what are you, what are you guys' thoughts, you know, reflecting on the, on international workers day and, uh, I guess the, what's, what's happening right now with the, with the labor force across the country and I guess the world too, but specifically here in the United States with, uh, I guess, uh, there, there are a lot of strike actions that are being mobilized for tomorrow. Uh, across uh, different companies and industries, uh, including, I believe, Amazon and Whole Foods. I think Target is a part of it as well. Uh, I, From what I hear, there's actually a pretty sizable coalition amassing at the moment. Um, right. I was pretty hyped about that. Yeah. I think more people should get on the bad and wagon. And everyone should start a union, goddammit. Or just, like, join one. Yeah. You can yeah. join one. Um. Yeah, I th- uh, this has been kind of an emotional roller coaster for me. I'm in the union. Well, I'm in the regular, the labor union biz, true. But like right now, I'm in, I'm a uh, in a different strike biz, and it's been, which is the the rent strike biz. Um, it's been like really difficult because, you know, the left is so. Just we were demolished, right? That's not going to change this quickly, even given the opportunities we've been getting. It's been really difficult for me to deal with, like, being handed. Literally, we got fucking handed a rent strike, a global rent strike, an international rent strike on May Day. That's, like, amazing, right? That's, like, utopian. And it's just we're not to the point where it's 
you know, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to do something good, but it's not what it needs to be because it's going to take us years to get to fix what has happened. This comes up every year whenever since Trump anyway, when everyone's like general strike and they think it's going to happen that quickly. And even now we're not going to have a, you know, I'm not trying to be cynical, but it's been like a real emotional ride for me realizing that Mm -hmm. no matter what we do, there's only so much we can do now. Luckily, this crisis is going to last a couple more months or years, so we have time. But um, we have uh, we have ample opportunity for things to get much, much worse. Sure, and that's not to be an asshole, but it's going to be good for yeah. us. Yeah, no, yeah, it's gonna be good for that's us. what I'm saying. Yeah. No, yeah, but I think the the strikes that are actually organized are exciting, and particularly with Amazon, right? We've seen a lot. It's not this isn't coming out of nowhere. We've seen just this total amplification. This like amping up of strikes over the past couple years at Amazon and this could be incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, also I forgot to mention um, part of this coalition that's being put together includes Walmart, which if I remember correctly is like the largest private sector employer in the country. Yeah. I think think that's still true. I'm not sure if it's been replaced, but it's up there. Yeah. I mean, it's great because nobody's really doing that much shopping anyway, in theory. Uh, I'm so ready to destroy the economy. (laughs) Take it down. That's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. We're making progress. Maybe if we, if there's anything to get out of watching Chaplin films, I think it's like his idea of hope that the economy will crash. (laughs) (laughs) Again, right? Um, you know, I think if that is a depression film, which I suppose one could say that it is, what year does the depression start? Like 20, okay, 29, 29. <laughs> right. I got it. It's fine. Um, 36, of course, the end of 36 is the incorporation of the UAW at the, uh, sit down strike, Flint, Michigan. Um, so what, that wasn't super radical though. One could hope that we're, you know, we're going to have, um, a modern times level depression, right? We're all going to be the tramp for a minute. And one would hope that something comes out of that. I have modern times level depression. <laughs> yeah. 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 Boy. <laughs> True. You know, I don't know. Whatever. We're On just going to have to have level. Hope. I'm being a real downer. It's like my actual job and my trade to amp people up about possibilities. Uh, and I've had a very hard week. <laughs> I had a hard week, so I'm not a. Well, you gotta have time to be a downer. I mean, you're not getting paid for this, so. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not getting paid for that anyway. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, but. Yeah, no. So actually, the reason I'm a, here's the reason I'm a downer. It's not because I don't believe. I really believe we could have anything we want right now. I'm afraid that this destruction of the left, what is what's actually happening, is that it's uh, created. It's forcing so many of us to just be willing to negotiate our own defeat to lose. Right? Everybody is so used to losing, they just want to lose, and they don't want to hear it when you talk about what we could win and what we have to do to win. Right? They don't want to hear it. They want to compromise now, and it's bullshit. And that's what depressed me. Right? I can take. I can face down anyone i want to get sued by landlords right i want to get yelled at i want to get threatened i cannot take hearing my peers given like that not in a moment like this i was so fucking depressed all week because of it um and so i'm hoping that tomorrow is noisy i'm hoping that someone somewhere has like a crazy outcome right and i think it's going to be in those work work on those shop floors right um that's all that's all i could really use some some victories or like major major drama in in a just you know disruptive strikes should be disruptive right some major disruption that would probably make me feel a lot better yeah 
We need we need to watch some uplifting slasher movies. <laughs> I mean, you guys can do that. It's not really my thing. <laughs> I will. I I will all the time. Um, <laughs> is this a bonus episode or no? Uh, no. What we did yesterday was a bonus episode. In fact, oh right, yeah. I uh, well, I, I actually I said at the end of the episode that we were going to be watching The Great Dictator. Um, right. We are going to also do that. We're just yeah. going to next week probably. Yeah, maybe next right. week. We're going to do some fun Hitler satire, just like go on a Hitler satire bender. I think it'll oh, be good. Yeah. That'll yeah. be really good for us. Always fun. Um, so, yeah, I guess I guess now would probably the be producers, good. Producers. Uh... The producers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are we going to watch that tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hope so. Okay. Yeah, we, well, let's plan on watching it tomorrow. Wait, is Lucas, is Lucas streaming the producers tomorrow? Did you guys want to do the producers and Spaceballs, or which did you agree on? Uh, as long as we do the producers, I'm cool with the second. Lucas, I I would like to watch Spaceballs, because like I said, I just watched Blazing Saddles pretty recently. Uh, but I know Blazing Saddles is the fan favorite, so I'd be happy to... I would watch Spaceballs. I like Spaceballs quite a bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, in fact, I mean, I, I think I've seen Blazing Saddles more recently than Spaceballs, so... Yeah. yeah, do you want to do, do the producers and Spaceballs tomorrow night? Those are like... Spaceballs is like one of his very favorite movies, so... Yes, it is. Don't, don't. He likes to pretend he was never a Star Wars fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Mel Brooks double feature tomorrow night. The the scene where he, where the uh, sheriff takes himself hostage. Amazing. <laughs> Isn't someone going to help the poor man? <laughs> Sally, be quiet. <laughs> You're going to get him killed. <laughs> There's this one day. There's this one day I was just doing my work from home, and Matthias had just like messaged me, like no explanation, just the video of um, springtime for Hitler in Germany, and I, just, like, I had to take oh. a lunch about it. Oh, that's funny. Um, it yeah, never so, needs an explanation. That's, that's true. It explains itself pretty well. Oh, also the producers. Oh, oh my God! Is he all right? He's having a stroke of oh, genius. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Do the people want to hear? People want to. We should probably paywall our our Hitler satire episode. I would think. Right? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> Just for our own yeah, because security. it will be. That's gonna be good. It will That's actually be good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, I said uh, I said in the chat earlier that this weekend we should definitely do a news show. Because there's a lot of news that's mm -hmm. happening right now we should probably be talking about. And that might get paywalled, but we'll see. Um, before we go, I was curious uh, if um, if he had been, you know, uh, if, if Chaplin had been a uh, Hollywood A-lister okay. uh, now as opposed to back then, would he be on the flight logs? Oh, my God. No, you can't. You cannot just accuse a communist of being on the flight logs. First of all, it's anti-Semitic. It is. Don't look at me like that. It is. That's that's my take on this. Also, like I like I said, I made this parallel plenty of times during our chat. Right? He's not Epstein. He's Leo. The scene when they're on the toy. Oh, we never talked about the toy floor, right? So he takes her to like level four toys and then she gets off the elevator, or the, the escalator or whatever. And she just like jumps up and down and claps. And yeah. I was like, that's one of Leo's supermodel, supermodel girlfriends when like they get on the yacht. It is. It is so uh, Lolita. It's. It is so incredibly. It's not like, Lolita. Matias, did you read mean, Lolita? She's miserable the whole time. There is something. Um, God, I I wish I I wish I was insightful enough to have like a real read 
of that bizarre fucking um you know like there's there is really no attempt like it was reinforced multiple times like this is a juvenile girl <laughs> who gets excited yeah. about toys she uh you know she's the innocence that's being like she's one end of the thing right. that's being defiled yeah. by capitalism yeah, no, that's true that's true it's bad. It's and bad. that's it's the bad. thing like that. that this this film really does position women as uh you know like it's it's bad for them because correct the yep. man is unemployed you know they are they are affected by it correct. the men are in the machine yeah maybe not not good women politics i can admit no. that much no. <laughs> no, no. gender is very gender is very interesting in this film as we say online, uh, Chaplin has a woman problem. Yeah. I, okay. So Chaplin not on the flight logs. No. No way. But he would for sure. Charlie no. Chaplin told me that a woman couldn't become president. Just talk me out of this. I was about to make a Me Too joke. Just walk me out. Let's. All right. Let's we, we should probably <laughs> hold me back. Hold me back. Let's 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 all uh, let's let's just wrap up now before we all get canceled. Um, so uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode. <laughs> um that's gonna do it for us uh we'll be back uh we'll be back in a few days with some new stuff so uh see you guys bye 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 smile though your heart is aching smile even though it's breaking when there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. If you smile through your fear and sorrow, smile and maybe tomorrow, you'll see the sun come shining through. For you, light up your face with gladness, hide every trace of sadness, although a tear may be ever so near, that's the time must keep on trying smile what's the use of crying you'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile
if you just smile.